Thanks for listening to Reawaken, creating community and meaningful action to shift paradigms in mental health, trauma and addiction, a podcast by The Humane Clinic. Hosted by Matt Ball and Stephanie Mitchell and produced by me, Rory Ritchie, aka Producer Dan. Incidental music by yours truly and our theme song is Hope by the talented Addo Mull. Everywhere people, in every place, all of the countries and each race need your hope. That's what this world is in need. Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed. Hope is the thing that stops you bleed. Hope is the irony. Hello, welcome to another Reawaken podcast. I'm Matt Ball. I'm here with Stephanie Mitchell Hi. and Rory Ritchie, aka producer Dan. Hello. Um, yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, the the alternative mm. idea um, that, that's sort of going around Australia and, mm. and presumably a bit in England and probably other places. Um, and also a little bit about emotional CPR uh, or eCPR. Mm. Um, and, but not really the model, as you probably picked up, we're not big fans of going on about models. But um, we want to talk a bit about the impact of things. Mm. You know, we're pretty keen on the actions we take being meaningful mm. and purposeful. And um, we, we have done the Reawaken event in 2019, Reawaken Australia. And as part of our intentions after that, we hosted a emotional CPR training mm. um, with Oryx Cohen. Mm-hmm. And since then, we've really been delivering workshops in it and... That's going to form the basis of our... Emergency department alternative. Yeah, so a space for people suffering in distress or crisis emotionally who, who want connect, human connection. Mm. Yeah. So we thought we might just start with a check-in. Yeah. I wonder who wants to start, where we're at. Mm. I'll start. Yep. Well, so we're recording two podcasts back-to-back today that will probably come out in two different weeks, so... I've just shared something in the last podcast that I'm still kind of sitting with. I'm quite mm. anxious and nervous inside myself, in my mm. chest and my stomach, and feeling a bit worried maybe about that I hadn't explained my story quite properly, a bit worried about being so vulnerable, mm. a bit worried that I didn't speak eloquently enough about the beautiful people in my life, and I know that they're going to listen to it, and I hope that it's... Uh, you know, was strong enough to express to them mm. how important they are to me. Mm. So I'm really quite tight, a bit anxious. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting, as you're saying, I could feel it in my stomach because I think I was aware that at the same time after that, I sort of talked a bit about my wife and, and our recent experience. and But just listening to you, that... I really value you saying that because it allowed me to kind of notice, oh, yeah, that's still in the room mm. for you, you mm. know, what you talked about. Mm. Feels a bit soupy in here, emotionally soupy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm. Want to tell us a bit more about the soup? Um, as well as being anxious, I'm kind of a bit loose and warm, feeling a bit lethargic. Just Yeah. Yeah, that resonates with me when you say that. That's kind of maybe where I'm sitting a little bit too is sort of like this little bit of lower energy, a little bit of... I, I really appreciated you saying about feeling a bit anxious because I'm feeling also a bit anxious 
you know, um, mm. I said some outrageous things in the last podcast and then I'm just going, gosh, why do I always say the outrageous things? I'm just noticing some anxiety. But um, you know what, what I was thinking just as we were kind of starting up and I was dipping into my heart a little bit to think mm. about what's here and I'm, I was noticing the anxiety from that last podcast, but I was also really noticing, you know, gosh, when at the very first half of that podcast, there was a lot of things that were very hard to talk about. And I was sitting with that mm. too. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd kind of pushed that to the side. But, you know, some of those things about the harms that drugs do to people and the way we label and, um, you know, like that always if I let myself feel it, which I try not to, to be honest, mm. like it, it can really weigh on me. And um, I, I, at the time of recording the podcast, I was a bit agitated, but as I was sitting into my heart a bit and noticing what was here, I actually felt a bit sad actually, had kind of like a sense that I could almost cry, you know. Yeah. So um, they're the things that I'm noticing right now as we're mm. all dipping inward. Mm. Yeah, the as you were talking about that, I noticed the kind of heartburn, sicky feeling, you know, my, up in my chest. And I, I noticed that when I saw your hand. I know the listeners can't hear you, but your hand was in upper part of your chest, you mm, know, yeah. where you dipped into it. And I just could feel that kind of refluxy, mm. quite uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, two things came up. One is, you know, there's a vulnerability in us doing podcasts. Mm, yeah. And yeah. something we haven't talked about, but, you know, this is important important we're talking about well I'm, I'm talking from my heart I'm talking mm. from who I am mm. um, and then you talk about the medications and recently it's been you just reminded me recently it's been really hard reading about ECT mm. and I'm a person that had ECT and there was no overt negative outcomes but the negative outcomes I've been left with and it reminds me when you talk about the feelings about what drugs harm do, mm. does is, is that I was coerced into having someone put electricity through my brain. You know, and that, that, you know, so I really resonate with that deep, not really wanting to go there because it's bloody hard. And I might be tearful or I might mm. feel vulnerable. But it is there. Yeah. As you say that, I kind of feel, I feel really <laughs> a bit angry actually, Matt. I can yeah. feel it down here lower in my abdomen but I also kind of feel it in my sternum as kind of like a kind of a sharpness like mm. quite like quite angry actually I'm trying to just maybe contain it a little bit but mm. um I can definitely feel that um if I let myself feel it it feels pretty rageful actually so you know mm. it's a big word but that's how I'm just noticing this kind of like real angry energy of kind of like um needing to fight back against something maybe is the word yeah as yeah. you're speaking so yeah I, I feel grateful to hear that anger because that's how i feel about yeah. it at the moment yeah it ends up with a tearful yeah. vulnerability but it's anger yeah. it's anger and i in a, in a in a funny way it reminds me thinking about your story rory and we talked about your story with good outcomes but that anger still there for me because, you know, something just took me back to when I, you were saying anger and I was feeling angry and I was thinking, yeah, what, what was that about that Rory went asking for help and mm. someone took him, tried to take him on a different path? Mm. 
Mm. And that, you know, fills me up with a lot of love that I had these strong people around me that were able to hang in there with me when I was rebuffed and invalidated and stayed in there. We'll try something else. We'll try something else. So, mm. <clears throat> you know, we're feeling quite heavy, but that's that brought me back to... Mm. Energizing me a bit, feeling this love and reminding me of these. Oh, now I feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then that also brings me back to Steph opening with worrying about saying the controversial thing yeah. and being so passionate. And I always love it when you like that. And it feels me. It made me feel a bit stronger. I was talking about being a bit lethargic. I kind of felt my muscles coming back into me mm. a bit more. Hearing like, mm. oh yeah. Steph's passion, I'm kind of <laughs> clenching my fist at the moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah as you were saying that, Rory, your arms are going, <laughs> your, your muscles are up, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can feel that too. Like I feel like more full of courage now to know that you guys have my back and that, that, that my passion is okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it certainly fills me up. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel so glad to hear that because our journey together has been yeah. us trying to work out what's okay for you and me to say, Steph, mm. in different situations. Yeah. And I just I can tell you as you're saying that I'm just feeling like yes, Stephanie, what you say is great. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of gives me permission, I suppose. It makes me feel like yeah. oh, maybe I'm allowed to say what I want as well. Yeah, nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah I want you to do that. Yeah. I love what just happened there. We went from this really heavy space to we were all sort of smiling like little cats and <laughs> get overwhelmed. Cats, yeah. Yeah, you know. Well, so th- I, I suppose that's, uh, that's we CPR. Mm. You know, there's three of us or ECPR or emotional CPR. You know, we're trying to find ways to resonate. And, you know, that was a real experience. Yeah. And can I just share something really mm. powerful that happened for me in there, which was there was a moment I so wanted to go to my head. Like I really wanted right. to break this, this like something had been said and I wanted to go, yeah, and kind of go into kind of a, a theory and, and, and theorise about something. And, I, and I'm trying to sit mm. with, was that because I was uncomfortable or did it feel like there was a really important learning moment? I'm not sure, but I just stayed with that. I just stayed with, mm. no, 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 this is a heart space. I didn't have to do yeah. that. Something yeah. will arise. And and I just I thought it was worth mentioning yeah. because I think, you know, this is what we talk about is yeah. that it's easy to go to our heads in those moments. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was just before the shift happened around the heaviness. That's right. And in another podcast we're going to talk about, it's those moments mm. yes. that you – go to interventions or you go to yes. theories isn't it so i'm really i'm it sounds it just feels great that you didn't yeah and we waited till we'd done what we needed and we've been revitalized and yes. then okay now we can kind of think about what that meant yeah and and, and that's a big part of ecpr isn't it of of emotional cpr mm. is staying connected to your heart not not discarding your thinking mm. but staying in your heart space and speaking from there through mm. your through your thinking. And just to say, ECPR has been such a gift to me in my personal life and in my professional work. Just yeah. such a gift. Because um, yeah. I think I mentioned in the other podcast that I, um, you know, I have, I always want to be so darn helpful. But yeah. actually being helpful often gets in the way. Yeah. And so when we go to our head and we're trying to be helpful to someone, kind of gets in the way of being in relationship. So uh, ECPR has really helped me to, to do that in, in a way that has been, maybe I've wanted to in the past, but I haven't known how to get there fully. So, yeah, it's been lovely. Mm. 
Yeah, I was just thinking there's a phrase in ECPR, isn't there? There's a, a one of the slides in the training talks about not fixing, and mm. I just thought maybe at some point we could read it out because there'll be some readers that have not heard of emotional CPR. Yes. Most people listening to this will have heard of mental health first aid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, this conversation always comes up. Mental health first aid has a, has a place for many and, and a role, but uh, we often have mental health first aid trainers come to emotional CPR training and feel like they didn't know they'd been missing something and then they come to emotional first aid, uh, emotional CPR, ECPR training and go, oh, that's what's missing mm. from, e- from mental health first aid training. And to us, that's connection. Yeah. And you it's know, like... The process. The yes, yes. Experience. Yeah. It's like yeah. emotional CPR is about how do we actually stay with someone who's in distress, whereas mental health first aid kind of is more about the person's in distress, this is how we figure out what distress they're in, like we label yeah. that's depression or that's anxiety or that's psychosis or that's whatever, so that we can refer to them, refer them on to the appropriate services. That's what I perceive, and maybe that's a simplification, but um, I remember being very, very excited to go to mental health first aid years ago when I went because I was really like, this is going to be great, I'm going to learn some skills in really being with people in distress. And I remember being not only disappointed but horrified yeah. by this, what actually the content was, two days of just talking about labels and illness and referring people and... Yeah, yeah. So I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, sorry, Rory. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and it's that moment that you talk about, you spoke about where it was really quite heavy in here and you kind of went into your thinking you wanted to yeah. provide a solution or go to a theory or go to a model yes. and fill that uncomfortable space rather than just trusting that if we remain in connection with each other, mm. understand what each other are feeling, then, you know. That's where that's where it happens. That's and understand from our hearts. Yeah, I think that's right, isn't it? You know what? Allow it to sit in your body, in your in your in your eyes, in your ears, in your spirit, whatever. You know, the, the idea of listening. There's a one of the things in ECPR is the ting, the way we listen. And I, I won't explain it all, but one of the things is that you respect the narrative and the person as if they're royalty. Mm, I love and that. I really love this idea that when a person you know, ECPR can be used when people are in deep distress or crisis. And it was originally looked at around people who were said to be psychotic. So this is for everyone. It's not just for how you want to categorise. It's for anyone that's in distress. And I, I love that idea that if someone comes to us in distress, maybe if we listen to them like they are royalty and deeply respect them with all of our being, maybe we're just enough. You know, so we, we offer our heart space to hear everything that that person needs to bring in that moment. And and this isn't necessarily CPR, but that extends to me, an experience I've had, that if we really listen to people in distress, particularly those said to be psychotic or, or, or other extreme states, we might actually be getting a gift to society because they might have something damned important to tell us. Mm. You know, so if we can go to a heart-to-heart connection mm. and and love them and respect them like mm, that, yeah. then not only do they maybe feel connected and revitalised, we feel the same and we might learn something. You know, and mm. I, I, don't, I don't want to get too much into it because I know where I go with this story, but, you know, things happened in my life that maybe needed to be told in the community. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
Because it might have protected other people. Yes. And had that narrative been listened to, rather than not been allowed to be heard, mm. maybe we would have protected others. Yeah. And some, some listeners will know what I'm talking about, others mm. won't. And it, maybe it's another time. But um, so, so ECPR talks about a heart-to-heart dialogue to create mm. resonance, to mm. create that sense of being in connection. And I just, I just want to read this out. Is that yeah, right? great. The purpose of ECPR, we aspire to connect through feelings first, respecting each other as equally human, enabling us to be together without fixing, judging or imposing our beliefs, allowing us to explore the unknown together in the present moment, releasing our power to create new voice, new purpose and new hope. Mm. And that's not traditionally what we think when someone comes to us. (laughs) But that's what I love about the sort of aspiration that we're just going to meet one another and, Mm. and that's going to make us both bigger, make us both more hopeful, make us both have more voice. Mm. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. So I should say, you know, that the, the, the ECPR has come out of the National Empowerment Centre in America. Our mm. friend Doric Cohen is a big part of that and Dan Fisher and, and many others over there, but also many others around the world, predominantly people with a lived experience mm. who were disillusioned or dissatisfied with mental health first aid and other pathologising responses to yeah. understandable, meaningful, shared human experiences that present as distress. Mm. So I just kind of want to acknowledge that that's where this has come out of as a deep desire to create an alternative yeah. that's connecting and heartfelt. And is based on what people have said works. You know, yeah. really ask the people who are in distress, what would you need in that moment? What would be helpful? And, um, you know, I was thinking uh, a moment ago, something you said, Matt, We've heard some people kind of go, oh, you know, like I couldn't do emotional CPR in my work because, you know, like I already give so much mm. to my clients to dip into my heart would just be, you know, like taking even more from me. And, and I think what is so important to mention here is that eCPR isn't really like that. It's not giving more of ourselves. It's kind of like a mutual thing. It's not yeah. actually, I'm going to take out the word kind of, yeah. <laughs> the two words. It's... Yeah. It's a very mutual thing. Yeah. It's like in the space where I value all of you and if we call you the person in distress, you Mm. know, if we say that, we're going to call it that, you're coming to me and I'm sitting here listening and in the moment of us connecting and I'm maybe feeling some of that, it might feel really heavy to me, but I get to talk about that to you. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Matt, that's so big. And, And in the process of that, actually what happens is so genuine that there's something um, powerful is maybe the word I want to use that happens between the two of us. So both of us go away richer. Yeah. And I don't want to make that sound sort of airy-fairy. Until you kind of feel it, it's hard to maybe explain it, but um, it doesn't feel like a burden. It's not like we're losing something. I think I just love what you're bringing up. This has come up in our trainings. We did an introduction to ECPR to 80 people, and that was where this story yeah. came up. Well, we haven't got space to do new stuff. Mm. What we've found as a community where we've written emotional CPR into our work, health, and safety policy, mm. 
we 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 teach it in different spaces. Rory and I are going to country South Australia to teach it in ten days. Um, we've taught it to a range of diverse groups of people. And and for me, one of the gifts of ECPR and what you're saying is that if I experience it, and you heard it earlier in our check-in, mm. which was an ECPR, we ECPR says we moved from one another so we could each share how we were feeling. It wasn't taking away from someone else, but it was about us becoming bigger. And for me, in ECPR, if you've done ECPR, if you've offered someone your heart in ECPR and it's been mutual, everything that needs to be said is said in the space. And I think what's really important is it doesn't matter whether it's your friend, whether it's your colleague, whether it's a client you're working with, you can bring that. I think, you know... Yeah. I can hear maybe some professionals in my in my mind's eye. I'm kind of hearing some professionals kind of saying, oh, I can't do that because it's bad boundaries or some such thing. But, I mean, obviously, you know, within the realms of sensitivity, but I think we can be genuine. Yeah. Even as a professional, I can bring my genuineness to the relationship. And in that space, you know, what people heard earlier is nothing that m- might not have happened for me in working yeah. with a client where yeah. I get to say, you know, like, hearing that story is really uh, I feel angry I feel really angry hearing what that was happened to you mm-hmm. and then the person gets to respond in whatever way is right for them and ultimately I'm not taking away from their story by saying that I'm just being me yeah you know and they get if they loved it they get to say thank you so much if they hated it they're like don't say that oh good well we're still in relationship thank yeah, you for yeah. letting me you know you didn't want to yeah, hear that beautiful yeah, so that's what I mean. You bring it all in, Rory. Sorry. No, no, and I mean that's an important part of ECPR, isn't it? The me CPR element, mm. where making mm. sure that you feel safe enough to engage in this emotional interaction, and yeah. making sure you're sharing what you feel safe, mm. sharing and going where you feel safe. I know we had a really beautiful moment in a training we did recently where somebody was quite clear about what they were wanting to talk about and what they weren't necessarily wanting to share and that was a really powerful thing in itself and also in terms of the professional stuff we're talking about and being you know oh we can't do that that's we're already so exhausted and you know we need to do self-care and we can't give that much of ourselves and then at the same time we all know that the things that exhaust us in these kind of workplaces if you want in mental health workplaces are the frustrations with the systems, yeah. providing solutions that don't work, not having solutions. And so ECPR really provides you a way of oh, yeah. just being with somebody and connecting and realising that you don't have to default to the model that then fails, that then is an exhausting experience yeah. for both people. Yes. You know? I am loving listening to this, Rory, because it's also <laughs> there's an extra element to ECPR, which I don't know that's been overtly said, and that is the person knows the answers the person finds their way forward we're just sitting alongside them okay so actually it's no burden to me to do that you know i'm not having to try and go oh damn poor you know john he comes in every week and he struggles every week and i'm supposed to somehow fix that and make it better and it's just too much for me to sit by him and watch them suffer well actually no i get to sit with john every week and he gets to feel a bit better because someone's sitting with him and he's suffering. And one day, something will shift and John will either tell me, you know, what has happened so far has been enough and he wants to stay where he is and he loves the, just this one hour a week or the two hours or whatever it is a week and that's actually made a difference. Or he's going to turn up and say, 
I'm going to change something over here. And either way is fine, you know? Yeah. And, and going, oh, it's not actually my responsibility to fix John. No. And John, John knows that you can't fix me. You can't exactly. change what's happened to me. The experiences that I've had that are sitting deep inside of me, he quite clearly knows and will quite quickly oh, express that to you, you know. <laughs> you know, if listening to you guys, I, I really love this because this is that's, that, that phrase I wrote, read out, you know, yeah. feelings first, not trying to fix, not trying to... Well, if we really sit in that space, mm. then what you two are describing happens. I feel so emerges. hopeful. Yeah. If I'm sitting next to someone, I feel very hopeful yeah. knowing that, gosh, this person's going to find their way. And the best thing I can do is just sit here and be with them in a yeah. way that feels meaningful to them. Yeah. You know? Look, guys, I want to have a quick break and then I want to come back and just talk about, it's going to be a short second half, I think, but yeah. just talk about the impacts of eCPR in South Australia t- to this oh. point and, and yeah. I suppose, excitingly, the plans we've got for the future. Absolutely. Yes. Right. See you in a bit. Welcome back. Uh, second half of the Reawaken podcast for today. We've been talking a bit about eCPR, emotional CPR. Um, came out of the National Empowerment Centre and a collaboration of people with lived experience that wanted an alternative mm. Uh, that was based in heart sharing and um, connection, not in problem solving and disorder oh. diagnosis and treatment. So we just wanted to touch on um, how it's evolved in South Australia. Mm. Um, and just to recap, Oryx Cohen did a training with us after Reawaken. We'd done a five-day Reawaken conference and then for some Bizarre reason we thought it would be a good idea to then do a two-day workshop <laughs> yeah. in eCPR where we almost all fell apart completely, which was great because yeah. that's what eCPR is great for. It is. And um, I remember at the end of the first day, Oryx and I were driving home and it was it was a tense drive. And um, that was the end of the first day of the eCPR mm, workshop. Mm. And it, we, so we were six days in now <laughs> to relentless. We were pretty exhausted. <laughs> and at the end of the seventh day, and this is the revitalization of ECPR, we were just pumping and high-fiving and yeah. feeling really full up with joy. Yeah. And since then, we've run an ECPR, I think, every month almost. And yeah. um, we've done a couple of special ones for young people who were mm. developing ideas for future services in South Australia around responses to crisis in mental health. Yep. Uh, as I said, Rory and I are going on to country, to, to country South Australia to to offer a course again with the with Taxi, the Australian Centre for Social Innovation, um, and um, hopefully some other local people coming. And um, it's just had a big impact. Mm. I think it's provided an alternative. We've had people volunteering, yeah, to be uh, to train as facilitators. Um, we've been reaching into environments of domestic violence, education, uh, people, lots of people with lived experience, professionals from different clinical roles coming to the workshops. And it's just been a great joy, you know, couples coming, just people Mm. who would never have expected to find themselves coming to really deeply inquire into how to be more connected in their hearts. Mm, Yeah, and just to mention too, it's like really... Um, become a big thing in the autism community in the southern area. Yeah, lovely. Um, yeah. Just 
you know, people, some, some people really finding that specifically with their kids, oh, yeah. it's just made a big difference as yeah. parents learn the skills of really attuning and listening and reflecting from their hearts. Yeah. Their kids are responding um, yeah. and then others are going, what is this thing? We want to learn about it. Yeah. Um, so that seems to be making a big impact as well. Yeah, and, and, and I love that you brought that in because that is about moving away from pathology and saying these behaviours are because of autism, they can't change, so we have to have a plan for the behaviour. It's horrid. Yeah, it's not what we believe in. And here. they call them positive behaviour plans, but they are not very positive. No. They are very, very oppressive behaviour plans mostly. And, and so then so. we've seen particularly one of our dear friends mm. just finding so much joy for her and her son mm. in sharing this connected space. And I, and I have to say, you know, we, any parent has their dilemmas with their parenting style and behaviours. You know, I was not a great parent last night and it sits heavy with me. Mm. And I just noticed that I thought about ECPR when I went and spoke to my daughter this morning mm. and yeah. really invited that connection. Mm. So I think it, it, it manifests way beyond any crisis situations yeah, into different that. parts of our life. Mm. Um, so. And then we, I suppose we did want to talk a little bit about some of the, and I know we don't have much time, but the things we're doing mm. Mm. Um, to hope to start um, an emergency department alternative. Um, it's early days, so we haven't really got it too planned out. Mm. <laughs> and we don't want to say too much We yet. don't want to say too much But yet. I think probably... We can say the second half of this year, we will be offering a community-led, community volunteer alternative space mm, yeah. for people who are experiencing crisis. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I really love about that is that we're going to be offering some ECPR. We're yep. also going to be offering some open dialogue for families yep. to come with their loved one in distress. So it's mm. not just the person in distress. But, you know, in those situations, all of us have a dilemma. When I'm in distress, my husband has a dilemma. Yep. You know, my kids have a dilemma. Your business partner has a dilemma. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to offer those beautiful open dialogue spaces where everyone gets to come and collectively talk about yeah. the dilemma and the way forward and how they you know all love each other yeah yeah absolutely you know? and a place to explore the dilemma when the dilemma's gotten too much at home and we're just not sure where else to go with this and the hospital isn't the right place you know? yes that's yeah. right and and we you know we don't know what we're going to call it yet because we want to move away from the language of mental health mm, yeah. but uh, you know there is going to be some differences there it's going to be community volunteers hopefully of all diversities mm. and, and opportunities for sharing and caring mm. and being part of a connected community, using eCPR as the primary approach, you know, that non-fixing mutuality and, and equality as humans. Mm. Um, some open dialogue, like you say, and, and, and just listening as well. Another approach we've got, which is if you haven't done the eCPR training, people can jump on justlistening.com.au and see the training or the, the, the videos about how to do just listening. Mm. And, and that'll be offered there. So there'll be a communal space. Mm. And one of my big dreams, I have to say, is that if people use this space regularly, mm. when they no longer feel they need to regularly use it, I imagine those people will be the most beautiful volunteers working mm, there. Yeah. And this is a real shift because if you currently go to the emergency department in mental distress too often in South Australia, and I think this is broadly the rest of the world, but in South Australia, you get labelled as problematic. Mm. And in South Australia, we have these horrible, horrible documents called management plans or service plans. 
So if you go too often, your service plan essentially stops you going. Mm. And we're not encouraging this, but one of my thoughts that ECPR invites us to hear is, if someone repeatedly comes back to our alternative space, continually saying they're in distress, well, rather than us saying they are the problem Mm. and they need to change, we could be honest and reflect and look inside in our Mm. feelings and go, wow, maybe I didn't hear them right. Mm. (laughs) Or maybe I tried to offer something that wasn't what they were asking for. Mm. Well, what a great gift for Mm. that person to me and to all of us to kind of keep keep trying to hear a little bit more Mm -hmm. what they're asking for by way of emotional connection and support until they till they get that Mm -hmm. and then they won't keep coming and maybe they're going to be the most beautiful volunteers Mm. and and that's one of my hopes Um, so yeah that's going to come soon and and we're pretty excited i mean i i think we ought to say we've been to the government of south australia and asked them if they wanted to partner yeah had a meeting with the minister's office, uh, health minister's office, and, um, you know, the truth is I never heard back from them. Mm. And I realised lots of people go to the ministry offering great ideas. But, you know, the flagship at the moment is the uh, assessment centre being run out Mm. of the office of the chief psychiatrist, which is going to have some peer in the workforce, but actually it's going to fall under the legislation. And it is, as it says, it is an assessment centre. Well, we won't be assessing people. I think that's really important is we're really not interested in anything more than hearing what a person's experience is and being alongside them. So that's all this space will be. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm just a, more of a listening centre than an assessment yeah. centre. You know? Yeah, nice, nice, <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the plans will evolve and you can see it on the website yeah. and humaneclinic.com.au or wherever. But um, I just think... It's been a big change in South Australian landscape in Southern Adelaide, mm. having ECPR mm. and all the beautiful people that have really, really offered themselves to the workshops. Mm. And that's been one of the highlights for me. Mm. Once people hear the model and go and do real plays where they, they're encouraged to share whatever comes up yeah. and practice the model. Not Don't go into role plays. Don't make this fake. Mm. You know, if the model stands up, the approach stands up, then the workshops have to be with integrity. And I really just respect the people that have come to them and admire them, mm. value them. Yeah, people have, you know, they come in and they dig deep yeah. and find those spaces in themselves of, you know, being mutually vulnerable with others. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And we've got four trainers, four facilitators now. Yeah. And um, Rory's recently become a facilitator, so that's exciting. And Bianca. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe two or 300 people have been through, mm. maybe. Yeah, yeah. so we'd too. love to see more and, you know, the idea is, am I allowed to say about my the dreams for it to become... I think you should say all your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, yeah, I'm always really interested in something replicable so mm. that anyone can do this, you know. Yes. So one of the ideas is that this is all based on volunteers um, and, you know, Matt and I and Rory donate hundreds of hours every year towards doing lots of these kinds of things that are free. Um, we're not, we don't have any funding to roll this out yeah. because we really, partly really want to um, have anyone be able to set up one in their state or their town, yeah. their city. Their community, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and just have it run by volunteers. And I know that there's kind of been some outpouring from the peer work spaces kind of saying, oh, you know, like it's not really fair that peer workers aren't given roles in these places. And, and I suppose... There's two things arise for me in that one is that I want to say that, 
you know, peer work at its heart was outside systems yeah. when it first started because once you're in a system, you're kind of under the the kind of um, rules of the system. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea that we're just going to do it completely outside a system outside of any systems and, you know, well, there'll be peer workers, there'll be professionals, there'll be community members, there'll be all manner of people. Um, and that's not to minimise the value of a paid peer workforce, but that's not what we're looking to do. Yeah. Because if we waited for that, because this is the second thing I want to say, is if we waited for that, we would be waiting another three decades. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know people who have been lobbying government for decades to get various things off the ground and I have no patience for doing that myself. Oh, so. I'm so with you. And it comes back to my point that we went, we've been to the, oh, the health yeah. minister and offered this. And there's three of us sitting in here with a lived experience. Mm. On, a sun- workers on, on a, a Sunday, Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, it's a weekend night and it's nine o'clock now. <laughs> and we're doing this podcast for free. So I'm just saying, Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. these are the things that feel important. But I love what you said. You know, we can wait forever. And you're not diminishing the value of setting up the peer workforce elsewhere. Mm. But this isn't what we're offering because the replicable nature of this model is that we intend when we have the model, the model will evolve as the project evolves with feedback from the community. Mm. And then when we have a working model, we will offer it for free to other communities. Mm. So we've been fortunate that someone has provided us with a building Mm. and we're extraordinarily grateful with that. But... There is community centres everywhere. There is libraries everywhere. Mm. There is pubs everywhere. Mm. There is community spaces. And, you know, particularly for me thinking about it, those people that need, that have the least, are very skillful in finding those spaces, whether it's people in country towns mm. or mm. Yeah. First Nation peoples yes. or or, uh, or other communities that have often been marginalised and sat outside. They find these resources. So our idea is that we set up a model and we say, this is how we've done it. What would be culturally safe enough mm. and appropriate to your community and how would that look? But yeah. here's what we've done. And I think, too, we, you can everyone can start small. So when we first started talking about it, yeah. we didn't have a building, but no. we did have a little community, a children's centre yeah. who was going to let us use the space Friday and Saturday night. So we were just going to start up just a couple of nights a week. And that's I think right. that's the thing. We can all start where we are, yep. you know. Yeah, I love that. And then don't even let me getting started on the app. <laughs> <laughs> don't get started on the app. We've got to finish. Okay, we've got to finish. All right. <laughs> That's for another one. That's for another one. <laughs> um, okay, like Rory, anything you want to bring in just to, just to sort of bring us back to where we started, which was a bit of a check-in and see where we are? Um, no, just that it's not lost on me that we started quite heavily and now we're really empowered and re-energized in yeah. talking about this great thing we're doing in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. hope. Yeah, there is definitely hope. <laughs> it's not just a song on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Atomal, my beautiful brother in England who, who produces the... who, who uh, wrote and produced the song Hope that we listened to on the podcast. So. Mm. Okay, we'll um, see you next time for Reawaken. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Thanks Rory. Matt. Thanks, Rory. Go Thank well. Bye bye. Everywhere, people, in every place, all of the countries and each race need your hope. That's one
God, this word is in need. Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed. Hope is the thing that stops you bleed. And hope is the ivory in the weed. So give hope and live hope. And when your kids are hungry, feed them hope. If the system bleeds you dry, have hope. If the situation makes you cry, have hope. Cause now it's time to dry your eyes and hope that that'll keep your dreams alive. I hope that you hope. Cause everyone's future is resting on your hope Can take the worst thing and turn it around Hope can find the lost that was not to be found Hope can make the loser them stuck in ground and Hope can turn your pennies right back into pounds Cause hope can be rebuilt even when it's been killed And if you believe, your hope will be fulfilled But people lied, just to raise your hope Just to make you think that they're helping you cope They're selling you eggs without no yolk they're wearing you down until your will is broke This ain't real hope, they don't feel hope They real hope and deal hope and turn it into false hope Then we give up on this world like it's a sinking boat We let each other drown instead of flinging the rope We're turning the place into some kind of joke But we can't laugh, we can't lose hope In these times while they commit these crimes Because there's nothing else out here keeping us afloat Hope is elusive, a glint in the eye That something is exclusive, a thing they can buy or make excuses, they just sit and ask why Our mistakes are conclusive, hope will just die But I wouldn't lie, singing all lullaby Give hope a try, and hope gets high You'll be bereaved, but you'll also receive Have hope, can't be deceived, you've just got to believe And hope, don't let it leave, or ever receive Just hope, and then one day, you're going to succeed You can't live without hope, don't go without hope Don't doubt hope, will keep you warm when you're shivering with cold Tired and old, hope can make a bright man hearty and bold. And hope can find the truth that has never been told. Cause some people take hope, and some people make hope. But you are the people, you people here. You're the ones that I feel are sincere. You're raising my hope, will hold your hand when you feel insecure. Hope will find a way through any locked door. Hope will give you guidance when you're feeling unsure. Make a point to the wise, even when there's a door. so much more and so much more and so much more hope will do it all and so much more